Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of The Witcher chapter by chapter book review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today, I'll be discussing chapter three from book three, Blood of Elves. All right, we are making our way through Blood of Elves way faster than I thought it would feel. But it's only chapter three. I think there's nine chapters in total. So there's going to be more episodes covering this book than there were covering um, the last Swish book and then covering Sword of Destiny because there was six stories in total in those books um, each, if that wasn't obvious. So uh, we are going to be on Blood of Elves for um, after this. It's going to be six more episodes. So basically the entire time it took to get through those books each um it, that's how long it's gonna take after we're done with this episode so a lot of interesting stuff has happened so far this chapter and we'll uncover this opinion i guess you could say um it's it's not bad it's just not, not a whole lot happens and i know i mentioned that in the last episode about chapter two that really not a whole lot happens but we got a lot of answers to questions in chapter two chapter three not so much but all in all it's not a bad chapter but instead of talking about it before we've even, even summarized it i'll give you the summary right after this recap of last episode so in the last episode after being summoned for an unknown reason, the sorceress Triss Marigold arrives at the Witcher's Keep of Kaer Morhen, where she meets Ciri and quickly notices the girl's mediumistic abilities. Triss also learns the Witchers haven't been totally vigilant in their caring and training of Ciri when she sees she's covered in bruises and no one's been attentive to her womanly needs. This is remedied by a set of rules Triss creates for the Witchers. She also agrees to stay and help the young Witcher trainee, who she reveals at the end of the chapter is a source. We didn't know what that meant at the end of last chapter, so let's see if we figure out more on the definition of that in chapter 3. So, to summarize chapter 3, we continue where we left off in Kermorin with the Witchers and Triss discussing Ciri. They admit that their apprehension for being completely honest with Triss came from their fear that she'd be obligated to tell the chapter of wizards about Ciri and her powers. Triss confirms that their fears were unfounded, as even though she has a reputation for strong loyalty to the chapter, she wouldn't betray the Witcher's trust. After she gives them her word, they start to tell her about Ciri's prophetic incidents they've experienced. Before doing so, Lambert gives Triss a glass of white seagull, which is described as a mild remedy for pleasant dreams. They disclose that on Ciri's first night in the castle, she drank some by accident and had one of her incidents, but did not make out any actual words. The same thing happened the second time they witnessed her in the state, but on the third time, she prophesied Geralt and Cohen's deaths. When Ciri approaches the group, Triss gives her the rest of her white seagull drink and uses a magical amulet to enter a trance with Ciri so she can try to figure out where and who Ciri is transmitting from. Triss essentially enters another space where she herself is a seagull flying above the sea. She hears Ciri crying out for her and suddenly finds herself and Ciri at the battle she took place in on Sodden Hill. Then she and Ciri are at the edge of a bottomless chasm where a downward staircase appears. The person who's been communicating through her starts to talk to Triss. She tries using most of her energy to magically force the person to reveal themselves, but it doesn't work. 
The person communicates some more odd things with little context about Siri, right before Triss returns to the original part of the trance where she is a seagull flying above the sea, and then returns to reality where Geralt is waking her in her chamber. He tells her Siri is fine and asleep in her room. While the trance was taking place, Siri said something in the elder speech, a language she barely knows, that translates to something is ending. She also said, forget about him, don't torture him, but that message was intended for Triss. The sorceress admits she's not strong enough to take care of Siri's problem and pleads with Geralt to summon Yennefer, a more powerful mage, before Triss's fear that Siri's power will cause mental illness can come true. Triss agrees to stay at the keep until Siri leaves to attend the temple school in the spring and help watch over her. From here, we're taken through Siri's various trainings during the winter of witcher exercises, fencing, learning the elder speech, and learning about monsters. One night, all of the witchers, save Geralt, are excited at dinner talking about where they're going to be heading when they leave Kaer Morhen to set out on the trail. This leads to a heated argument between them and Triss about whether or not they should use their exceptional physical capabilities not just to defend widows and orphans who became so from war, or if they should try to prevent wars from transpiring in the first place. Triss goes on to describe some of the gruesome details from the battle on Sodden Hill that she participated in. Then, Ciri chimes in to tell Triss if it comes to another battle against Nilfgaard, she would stand with Triss because she wants revenge on the Nilfgaardian soldier she still has nightmares about. This triggers Geralt, who scolds her for not understanding that she's learning everything they're teaching her so that she can protect and defend others, not for her own personal hate and revenge. Ciri's upset by Geralt's response and runs away. Geralt and Triss find her outside with her sword, standing on a wall, still upset. When a loose brick slips beneath her foot, she falls from the wall, but at the very last second is caught by Geralt. They feel the warm breeze coming from the lower valley and agree it's time they left to take Ciri to a lander. Well, like I said, not a whole lot happens, but there's definitely some stuff that's, of course, worth talking about. So this whole source thing is pretty compelling. Triss explains that Siri is a source, which is a person who has uncontrolled access to magical powers. So they basically act as a transmitter and they unknowingly can get in touch with energy and then convert it. So the reason that this is a problem is because it can result in very catastrophic consequences. Like one of the examples that Triss gives or two of the examples that Triss gives is that um, a house can go up in flames or like an entire town can get leveled. And this can happen without the person who's causing it, the source making that happen. Like they could be in the middle of doing anything and just like a regular ordinary day and something like that can take place. So this is why they need to figure out what they're going to do about it, how they can help her. Something needs to be sorted when it comes to this because it could be very detrimental. So we have Lambert. He's very skeptical that Siri is a source at all. He says that because she cannot do witcher signs after she's tried hundreds of times, that she's got to just be an ordinary child. And the one weird thing about this, and I might just be being a little bit too pedantic, but I was under the impression, or at least when this was brought up, I, I kind of figured like, well, didn't, don't witchers gain access to their signs after they go through the mutations, after they go through the trial of grasses, which Siri hasn't done. So if that's the case, then obviously she's not going to be able to do witcher signs, but maybe he's also just thinking that because they know that 
there there is some magical power that she has access to so maybe he's thinking like oh well she's got this magical power but she can't even do a sign so whatever she's got is very minimal and it's not really worth worrying about but either way Triss argues against his argument saying that sources don't have control over their power so it makes sense that she wouldn't be able to do a sign because when a witcher uses their sign they're using or they're, they're they're making it happen like they know what they're doing they have control over it so i mean overall i'm just not sure why he's so skeptical like considering the witchers have seen siri fall into these trances and speak with someone else's voice three times i don't know why he wouldn't think that anything could be possible i don't know why he's just so quick to think that tris is exaggerating uh, i mean i would just be open to whatever and especially when it's coming from a sorcerer that they are familiar with and I'd be willing to at least consider what she's saying but we have Geralt who he's more convinced that there's something to be concerned about he's definitely more convinced than Lambert is and that's because he saw um, Ciri's mother the princess Pavetta access her uncontrolled powers and almost destroy Sintra's castle and when that happened nobody knew that she had any magical power so that was basically very similar to what Triss described a source is and what they are capable of so I mean, when you think about that, that's just that alone is enough reason. And we've even seen Siri a couple of times, you know, aside from those three incidents, aside from in the beginning of the last chapter, when Triss witnessed Siri go into a trance and you know, referred to her as like the 14th one who died on the hill. Uh, we saw a couple of small things with Siri. So in the Sword of Destiny story, after Geralt and Siri leave Broccolon Forest, they don't know exactly where they are and they're about to decide on which direction they should go in and Siri says something like I don't think we should go this way that's a bad way and Geralt doesn't listen and they go that way anyway and then they almost get killed and they have to fight those guys that were trying to frame the dryads for killing the merchants so I mean that was definitely like I don't think that was a coincidence like there was something going on there like she just somehow knew and then in chapter one of this book when she and Geralt are traveling to Kaer Morin and they're camping overnight by the campfire and Siri wakes up from her nightmare. It's it says that she can basically hear Dandelion's performance and then hear some pieces of the discussion of um, the audience members that takes place right after the performance. So and they weren't it's not like they were nearby like she just like was kind of hearing those things in her head and she heard loop music. So I mean, we've witnessed a couple of things that weren't really um, that, that don't really even seem to be something that anyone's considering right here. So there's certainly reason to be concerned and listen to Triss. So Triss tells the witchers that sources are threatened with the possibility of mental illness, specifically catatonia. Here's another thing that they got to look out for if what she says is true. And this is, you know, this is another thing that Lambert is skeptical of. Uh, because he doesn't believe Siri is a source, he doesn't think that this is anything for them to worry about unless Triss convinces Siri that she might have a mental illness, which, I mean, I, I see that point, you know, when you tell somebody, you, you could tell like a child that, like, oh, you actually might develop this mental illness because of this, that, or whatever. And the child might think that they have that mental illness because they were told that, and then start showing signs of or start behaving in the way as if they did have it even if they didn't and it's only because they were told that that could happen to them so like i mean i see what he means there but at the same time i just don't understand why he's so quick to dismiss this as an exaggeration but you know what 
it's a good thing he's not the one in charge. He's not calling the shots here, and Geralt's more convinced than he is, and it's going to come down to what Geralt wants to do, in his opinion, more so than Lambert, that's for sure. So it's not really that big of a deal. And Lambert, I think he's just kind of got this uh, just a bit of a disrespectful nature. Um, he's just a little bit, I don't know if I should even say a little bit, he's condescending. So it's just, that's how it's going to be with him, I suppose. But like I said, it's good that he's not the one in charge. So with all of this that said, we don't get a whole lot of other specifics past that when it comes to the whole source thing. So Triss tries to divulge more into what is going on. So, you know, she goes into this trance with Siri and she's trying to figure out who it is that's transmitting through her. This person's trying to possess her and she even is communicating with them during the trance, but they're just way too powerful. So she came out of it, not really with a lot of answers, except for that she's able to figure out that if Siri falls into just one more trance, it could already result in mental illness. So that's pretty scary. She's definitely in danger of this person who's extremely powerful trying to possess her again. And this is actually why Triss advises that girl summon Yennefer to help because she might have a better chance of figuring this stuff out. And I wanted to go into a little bit of detail on this whole Yennefer thought. So we get a little bit of insight here into what's going on with Geralt and why he's not interested in Triss. And um, like I'm sure we probably have all guessed, it's because of Yennefer. I talked about that in the last chapter. Um, I was wondering why Triss seems to have such strong feelings for Geralt after they had an affair and Geralt's not returning these feelings. And I thought, okay, well, it could definitely be because of Yennefer. And I think that's probably what every reader thought when they read that. But it's been confirmed now. Um, there's a moment when Triss asks Geralt to forgive her because she can't forget about him. Like in that way, she can't forget about him. And he says that he should be the one to ask for forgiveness. And he should not only be asking Triss. And to that, Triss says, you love her that much. And he confirms by saying that much. Unsurprisingly, Geralt still has a bad for Yennefer. And he also wants her forgiveness for something. And I, I think it's safe to say it's probably the affair with Triss that he should be asking her for forgiveness on. But that doesn't outright tell us if Yennefer is aware. Uh, I just want to know if Yennefer knows about uh, Triss and Geralt. But I, I would think that she would. Like, that my initial thought when he says that he should be asking her for forgiveness is that, oh, well, that's because she knows about it and she was hurt by it. But then I also think Geralt's a good person. Like a, a bad person would probably think like, oh, they don't know about it, so I don't need to worry about seeking their forgiveness. Like as long as they don't know, then I'm out of the woods. I didn't do anything wrong. But even if she didn't know, because Geralt is a good person, I could see that it would still be weighing on him and making him feel guilty. And he definitely feels guilty about Triss, which is understandable because he got involved with her and wasn't able to return the feelings that she developed as a result of them getting together and now she's hurt so he's hurt potentially two women here and he cares about Triss I mean even though he doesn't want to be with her like that he definitely has a lot of respect for her and holds her in high regard and cares for her a lot he doesn't want her to be hurt especially because of something that he caused so he's definitely 
not really in a good position with this, but I guess it is what it is. Just um, Tris seems to have, she doesn't really seem to um, be over it, but I think she is um, accepting of it now. She knows that nothing's going to come out of it. And I think she understands why it just, it's just one of those things that sucks. It just sucks for her. Anyway, going back to Siri, Tris thinks that whoever is trying to possess Siri won't be able to once she's in Melitale's temple. So it does look like Geralt's going to seek Yennefer's help, but not until after they take her there, uh, which is a little bit sketchy considering that this happens like this night, they have that discussion and then a decent amount of time goes by from then until the end of the chapter when they decide they're going to leave. So Siri is still left exposed to this threat. Uh, falling into another trance during the whole rest of the chapter. I don't think it's a long, long time. I don't think it's super, I think it's at least a month or two, which I mean, if this, if this can happen at any moment, then that's pretty scary. So while she's still training in Caremorn, nothing does happen. Like it's, we're lucky that she ends up being fine the whole time and they stick around there and she's going through all these different, you know, fencing trainings and she's learning about the monsters. She's her and Vesemir are talking about ghouls and Triss is teaching her the elder speech and she's fine during that whole time, but I thought it was a little bit risky. So, but that all kind of goes through. There's not really a lot to say there. So I'm just going to kind of skip towards the end of the chapter where Triss has this a little bit of bitterness towards the witchers because they have no interest in aiding in the prevention of wars or participating in them. And on the one hand, I think she's being kind of unreasonable because she knows that the Witcher's Code, I, I, would, I would assume she knows at least considering she knows them, she knows all of them, except for Cohen. She didn't know Cohen before, but she knew all of them. She had an affair with one of them. She's definitely got to be familiar with the Witcher's Code and how that code tells them to remain neutral. You know, they're meant to just kill monsters, collect the reward, and then go on to kill more monsters. On the other hand, I do see where she's coming from with this argument. So since she and other sorcerers were enlisted to fight in the previous war, I can see how she might think that the witchers could do it too. And they could be very useful since they can use a little bit of magic. And they're also just so physically superior to the average soldier. And plus, as someone who was recently a first-hand witness to the horrors of war and who was a participant in a battle, I can understand why she'd want more assistance with preventing these horrors from happening in the first place. So all in all, I think that her logic definitely makes sense, but I don't think that they really deserve the resentment for choosing to continue doing things the way that they've always known. Although I guess she's not completely upset by their decision not to participate, but I think a lot of it comes down to their general attitude towards it. The word uh, frivolous was thrown around a couple of times in the chapter, which I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I, I get both of their sides, but it, you know, it's like what Geralt says, like, they're not my wars. I'm not going to participate. So I can understand why she might think that they should probably use the resources that they have available to them to help make the world a better place. It's like, okay, you're going to go fight monsters for the people that are paying you to do that. The people are paying you to do that because these monsters are threatening these villages. And, but, but there, there's only, there's most likely going to be monsters around because there was recently a war or there's, or, or the people can't defend themselves against these monsters without the help of a witcher. But if you were to help 
with you know making it so that these wars don't happen or help defend people during the wars then you wouldn't really have as much of a task to do afterwards but i mean are they going to get paid for that I, it's it's a tricky subject and i get both of their sides which i i suppose that's why it's an argument to be had and they're you know the witchers for the most part i mean we don't i know we're not that familiar with all of them except for Geralt, but they seem to be all be pretty intelligent Triss seems very intelligent so i mean it's it's not an easy conversation which i guess is why it happens and why it gets kind of heated so part of this discussion we end up getting a lot of the disturbing details about the battle from the battle in sodden hill so there, we, we learn a little bit about the injuries and deaths people suffered and how horrific they were. So we find out that Yennefer lost her vision and she actually says something about this in chapter one, but she kind of just, you know, slides over it. It's, it's just a brief thing. She says something like for a while, I didn't see anyone. And that's pretty awful, but it, at least her vision was restored. Uh, we, I mean, we know that because I mean, Triss just outright says it, and she was definitely, obviously not blind when we saw her in chapter one. Uh, Triss lost her hair in this battle, so her beautiful hair has been mentioned a couple of times now, and it seems to be kind of like her trademark, and it got totally burned off. So, I mean, like Yen's vision, it was um, completely magically restored, so, you know, she's not still walking around bald, but she did also suffer a lot of what seemed to be very severe injuries. So there was a point where she was on the ground in a pool of her own blood. And she also says that she'll never wear a plunging neckline again. And I'm not sure if this, if that's because the scar wasn't completely removed because the wound was so bad, or if she's keeping the scar there as a reminder of what happened. Or maybe the scar was removed, but the wound was so bad that just wearing a plunging neckline reminds her of what happened and it kind of haunts her and you know might just trigger some of those unpleasant memories. But yeah, it sounds really awful. And I'm not even going to bother going into detail about the other memories from that battle that she brings up about the deaths of some of her friends. If, uh, if you're not reading along, you can, you can go check that part out. I don't want to talk about that too much. It's just really disturbing. Um, yeah, there were some parts of this chapter that certainly made me feel uncomfortable at times. Not uncomfortable like it was inappropriate, but uncomfortable like, like, like that stuff. It was just a, yeah, it was just disturbing. Also, I'm really curious to know if anybody else felt this way or if I'm just a huge baby, but the scenes, and it was also in chapter one, or I'm sorry, not chapter one, chapter two at the beginning, and then the scene in this chapter when that person is speaking through Siri, like that voice, and I know you're reading it, but it's just, it. it's described in a way that's so spooky. I read this, one of like some several of my read throughs of this chapter end of chapter two or at nighttime and i got so scared i'm like sitting in my apartment and it's totally quiet and i just could like i felt like i was actually there witnessing it and i'm like oh i was so scared uh also i don't know if any of you listened to the audiobook and i don't know if i'm if i should say this or not but you, you can listen to it on youtube for free <laughs> which um Every time I go through a chapter to prepare for my podcast episodes, I will listen to the, that chapter on audiobook maybe like once or twice just to, you know, see if I can get like another kind of perspective or maybe I'm reading something with like, I don't know, the wrong inflection or whatever. And I think that it could just be, it, it could be useful to listen to it once or twice instead of only reading it. And the guy, I forget his name, but the guy that reads the audiobook, 
he does that voice in such a scary way. And I mean that as a compliment. He does a really good job, but it is so creepy. Like it's worse listening to the audiobook. So yeah, let me know in the YouTube comments if you felt the same way when reading this because yeah, I was very spooked. <laughs> anyway, all right, I have some closing thoughts here. So the first one I've got is not a good one. Geralt's death has been prophesized by Siri, And this is the second time this has happened. Not by Siri, but this is the second time his death has been prophesized. So if you forgot, in the final section of the Voice of Reason in the Last Wish book, the priestess Iola, the silent priestess, she and Geralt connect and then she has this whole prophecy of what appeared to be his death. It's left a little bit vague, but there was definitely a lot of violence and blood. And Neneke saw it too, and she didn't want him to leave because of what she had just seen. So things aren't looking good for Geralt. And Cohen's death is prophecy too, and he seems like a good guy. So that's not fun. Geralt's not worried about this though, because like he says, that no, no witchers die of old age. Like they don't die of old age in their bed dictating their will. I'm worried about it, though, because, I mean, as the reader, you, we've grown to love Geralt. So, obviously, we don't want him to die. Um, yeah, that's not good. I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I don't know if it's definitely going to happen, but it seems likely. You know, this is a world where there's magic, where prophecies and, you know, fortune telling and stuff like that is legit. You know, if somebody tells you that in this world, I wouldn't take it too seriously. But in the Witcher world, it's not a good sign. So... Hopefully nothing bad happens. <laughs> uh, all right. So Eskel said Triss told them there's a possibility of another war with Nilfgaard. So some more bad news. And this is seeming more and more likely because in the first chapter, Dandelion's audience at the Seat of Friendship discussed this possibility too. So it's been talked about more than once in more than one place by more than one person that we've witnessed. And it could just be a widespread rumor but there could be some legitimacy to this prediction. So I don't know if these countries have recovered enough to be able to handle another war. And I really don't think so, especially because it seems like they barely made it out of the first one. And, or yeah, they barely made it out of the last one. And I think that that battle in Sodden was the determining factor. I think that's what decided that Nilfgaard lost. I think that's why they ended the war and went back home because they were probably, I think that they were already just causing so much death and destruction and had probably sucked up a lot of those countries' resources and money and killed plenty of soldiers. So if they were to come back, like if they were able to rebuild their armies and if they were able to fund another war, I don't know that they'd be able to... I, don't, I think that Nilfgaard would probably be successful in this next one. So that's another dark thought for the future. And a nice thought is that it looks like we might see Neneke again, which would be cool. I mean, as long as they bring us along for that, which I don't know if they will yet. But if so, that would be pretty nice to see an old friend again. So we haven't seen her. It's been a whole book since we've last seen her. And also, Yennefer and Ciri, it looks like they're likely to meet soon. And that would be pretty cool because it's always really neat when you've got two characters that you like who've never met each other come together and meet and develop a relationship. So that would be pretty interesting to see. Um, hopefully, if that does happen, Yen can get to the bottom of this 
the person trying to possess Siri and put a stop to it before Siri is harmed. Uh, I mean, she, it sounds like she's got a lot on her plate if she is going to help them and if she is trying to figure out what's going on with that Nilfgaardian mage that was torturing Dandelion. So I do wonder what Geralt and Triss are going to do after they take Siri to this school. I doubt they're going to stay and hang out at the temple with Siri. I imagine that this is like a kind of boarding school setup. You know, they drop her off, you know, okay, have a good semester and we'll see you for the summer. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But yeah, I don't think that they're going to stay around. And I also don't know that Geralt should really stick around there too long because he should not be spotted in that area after what happened the last time he was there. They were not happy with him being in that location. So um, maybe he'll stick around long enough to see Yen. It would be pretty cool to see a reunion between those two. Maybe it would actually be a bad thing, especially if she does know about the whole Triss thing. But um, she should at least give him an update, though, on the incident with Dandelion and the Nilfgaardian mage. I don't know what Geralt could do about it, but he should definitely be informed that somebody is torturing his friend to get information about his child's prize because, well, I don't need to explain why. <laughs> you get it. That would That's just really bad, and Geralt should certainly be aware of that. Um, but on the other hand, while Ciri's at the school, it might be a good time for Geralt to take on some Witcher contracts and make a little bit of money. doesn't seem like he's done a whole lot of that recently, so... I mean, when I say recently, I mean prior to taking Siri to the castle. Because I think when they're at Kaer Morton, you know, they're wintering. They're not taking on any contracts at all. So their uh, funds are not really increasing during that time. Well, that is all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube Video and Spotify and Apple Podcasts with just the audio. Thank you so much for joining and I will catch you all in the next episode. Goodbye.